Welcome back. In today's episode, we hear the rest of the conversation with Pastor Rhonda, including the blessings and some challenges of her current call at Our Saviors in Arlington Heights. She provides meaningful insights, and we also talk about how racial divisions can be confronted. So, listen on. Hello and welcome to Just Stories. We share inspiring stories of real people leading lives impacted by social justice, advocacy, and service. Here, how our guests have used their experiences to make a difference in the lives of others. And remember, it's all about the story, theirs and yours. Just stories. So, Pastor Rhonda, um, from these stories of your time in Texas as a young woman and seminary as well, tell us a little bit bit about, um, by God's grace, how you have um, developed, how you have coped, how, what you have learned um, through through some of those experiences? Well, you said it. It's by God's grace, but it's also an intentional act uh, by the village that cultivated me, that nurtured me. Um, it was my mama who didn't let me listen to all the people that said that girls can't be something. Um, it was my mama who, um, when she recognized who she was, said, I'm going to put you into contact and put you in to the spaces of people who are, uh, who can help cultivate you, who can nurture you, who can help you grow. Um, that included my godparents, that included my church, that included the schools I went to, that included finding people that could take me to my next level. So it started with getting my sense of identity um, from people who said, you are a child of God. Uh, this is you. When the Lutheran church, um, we have a pretty regimented and uh, a process for becoming a pastor, which is a good thing, rightly so. Uh, there's a whole lot of vetting that takes place psychologically, emotionally, among your peers, among the people who are teaching and instructing you. There were several times where I was told that I was not a good fit. Uh, my psychological review said that I was too extroverted to be a pastor. <laughs> <laughs> too extroverted to be a pastor. Too extroverted thought, to be a pastor. Okay. Amazingly enough, quite a few pastors are introverted because they exert so much energy with people, they turn inward. Okay. I was not that. I was, I'm an extrovert. I, the, in the same place where I extend my energy, which is with people, I also receive my energy, yeah. which is with people. Um, According to the psyche valve, I was too extroverted. Um, the psyche valve, um, amazingly enough, made me seem almost bipolar. Because in one moment they would say I was uh, flexible, and then the, in the next line down it would say I was intractable. Hmm. Um, in one moment it would say that I was um, um, that I was uh, high energy, and then it would turn around and say that I was uh, too relaxed. So. Hmm. Um, the psyche valves were not intended to accommodate all of the stylings and the contextualizations of the world of the black woman. Mm. So I had to get my identity from the people who loved me. Um, it was, you know, my godmother who um, made sure that I knew that God's callings were yes and amen, and that God's promises were yes and amen, and that, you know, God didn't uh, make a mistake 
in terms of calling and that that I too could hear the voice of God and that I could discern. It was my aunts um, who let me know that I was hearing a word that I could uh, share the gospel with the people who took time to listen to me. It was my uncle who, because I knew how to say and spell the word enthusiasm as a young child, always would find a dictionary and say, what's this word right here? This girl can read. Um, there were no bigger cheerleaders. Um, and so I got my sense of identity, not from a world that was telling me what I wasn't, but it was from all of the people who insulated me and told me what I was. So that when I walked into those spaces, as impossible as they were, they weren't stronger uh, than the spaces that I had walked out of. Um, my family sent me forward. Um, God put people in my life that uh, walked alongside me. All the friends I grew up with in childhood, I, I find it hilariously funny because a friend of mine sent me an old picture from college. Um, my my freshman year in college, I dressed up as a pastor for Halloween. <laughs> I had no clue at the time. Um, uh, AOL was my first, I still have my AOL address. Um, and my first AOL address was uh, G-O-D and my name. It was it was amazing to see uh, how God was orchestrating little things. And when yeah. I look back, of course, I see my testimony 20. Hindsight is always 2020. So I can look back and say, oh, yeah, I can see what God was doing. At the time, I was just living my life. Yeah. Um, at the time, I had no clue that God was orchestrating this thing the way God was doing it. Um, at the time, all of the people. Um, who were walking with me and befriending me. And, and I did not know as I was living it, that God was doing something special. I don't, I know it now when I look back, I can go, wow, you know, wow, that was nothing but God. Um, even to being called to our Savior's Lutheran church. So. Well, let, let's take us there now. Um, uh, pastor Rhonda is a, a pastor at our Savior's Lutheran in Arlington Heights. And a few years ago, your congregation affirmed you um, through something we call the miracle. And uh, yes. that's that's just a time when we just had to make space in the budget for Pastor Rhonda because we loved you so much. Uh, you were an interim pastor, I believe, at the time. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was getting time for you to, you know, that interim time to to be done and to, to kind of consider what's next. And we decided, no, you can't go. And so the congregation raised, I'll just say, a ton of money to help. A ton of money. <laughs> to help affirm uh, Pastor Rhonda's place in in this um, congregation. Uh, yet, it, you know, our congregation is a predominantly white uh, middle-class congregation. And um, I wonder if you can share with us a little bit about your, um, your time with our saviors. And um, have there been any unique challenges or unique blessings um, for you? There have been both, actually. And I want to say that uh, just the, the whole miracle, it, there's no way we could tell all the listeners the whole entire story. It really was miraculous. It was uh, miraculous in the best of ways. And it, and and to say, you know, to tr- shorten it does it injustice. It's an understatement. But truly, um, just to give you an idea, I was only supposed to be there for one year uh, while the church went through uh, its interim process. And mm-hmm. for the listeners out there who are not aware uh, an interim is just this temporary time before you have someone who's going to stick around uh, as a pastor 
and your church had uh, had a couple of pastors vacate their positions um, uh, in a very short amount of time. And so there was one pastor serving. Gail Heike was, um, had taken on uh, the role and was doing the work of three pastors. And so I was at the time serving at a congregation um, that where I could not feed my family and pay bills. Um, and so that was the best that they had for me. And the bishop came to me, he said, hey, would you consider serving with this congregation? They're in, they're in dire straits, they need help. And would you go and be of help? And I said, oh, sure, I can do anything for a year. So, and that was literally what I said. I said, I can do anything for a year. And then he told me that it would uh, help me to be able to catch up with some of my financial responsibilities because I was raising two babies on uh, meager income. And there were times where we had to choose, you know, do we buy food and clothing or do we keep the lights on? Um, we were making some tough choices. Um, long story short, I came for a year. Um, and then a year turned into a year and six months. And then a year turned into two years. And right when, um, at right at the year mark, uh, our saviors was calling a new pastor and they wanted to give him time to come in uh, to uh, get a feel for the church and get staff structured. And he said, hey, would you stay with me six months while we figure this thing out? And then I said, yeah. And then another six months, they said, hey, you know, we've decided that the church really should function on two pastors. Uh, would you uh, stay and help us redistribute your position uh, and we can send you Godspeed farewell uh, as you enter into the call process again to search for a new church home? And I said, sure. And right as I was going to accept a call or entertain a call from another congregation in another state, uh, our saviors came back and said, we want you to stay. Pastor Pete got up and said, if we can raise a certain amount of money for pastor to um, um, uh, to to keep Pastor Rhonda, we will be in a position um, to do matching dollars. Uh, there was a very generous gift that was available uh, to do just that. And when I tell you that the miracle, the money that was raised, was raised within less than seven days. I was supposed to be, we, we had a staff farewell. We had a staff goodbye. We had a church goodbye. My last Sunday, we had an ice cream social and there we were all just blessing each other as we bid farewell. And the next week, it was a whirlwind of activity. There I found myself staying. And so in top of 2018, January of 2018, um, I was installed as a full call, not an interim pastor. Uh, at Our Savior's Lutheran Church. So the great things that have happened um, since I've been at Our Savior's, let's talk about just basic logical things. Um, I've been able to afford to feed my family and take care of my family. Um, that's an amazing thing to not worry about food, clothes, and basic living necessities. Um, I, I can't be begin to tell you how absolutely stressful it is when you're worried as a mom about how those things will happen, um, how to pay car notes or insurance, how to, um, how to buy groceries and pay utilities and pay rent, um, how to pay for travel expenses, and still how to look the part of a professional with a master's degree. Um, it's, it's amazingly stressful. So um, being serving at our saviors allowed me to take some of those worries off my plate. 
serving at our saviors allowed me to uh, become uh, better in the craft of ministry, not in the calling of ministry. That call came from God. I don't ever uh, need approval or um, or permission to tell God's good news. But in terms of working in the system and the organization of church, um, you, there's always room to grow. Uh, I grew more in the couple of years before I was called at Our Saviors than I had grown my entire time in seminary. Ministry is an on-hands learning experience or hands-on learning experience. And that's really what it equipped me for. I worked in a large congregation. And the great thing about a large congregation is they often have the wherewithal to accommodate the mistakes of a new pastor and to differentiate. This is a new pastor making mistakes and not the black pastor who doesn't know enough about whiteness. Um, so those were good things. Um, some of the not so good things, I still have to wrestle and contend with people who think I don't belong there. Um, and, and folks have been very gracious in that no one ever says it, um, but you learn to know when you know what you know. Um, there are folks who wonder um, whether or not I'm credible. Uh, there are folks who wonder about whether or not my uh, own personal, moral, political, social agenda uh, is locked in with Jesus and whether one supersedes the other. Um, as you know, our church is a blend of people. Uh, we have uh, people who are conservative. We have people who are liberal. We have people who walk a fine line. We have people who are Republican. We have people who are Democrat. The good news is that our saviors has afforded me an opportunity uh, to work with all of them and figure out how to find common ground for all of us. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes that's impossible. And so God has to make up the difference. And then other times we figure out that at the base root of all of our concerns, no matter what side of the table, the political spectrum we're on, um, we want life to be well for the people we love and the communities we live in. Um, some of the other things that are hard about our saviors is that there's a, it's a sizable congregation. Uh, at last count, there were seven African-Americans, three of them being my children and myself. We're pretty isolated. So the things that I grew up in, the, the teachings of faith, the cultural pieces that are interwoven into the teachers of faith, teachings of faith, um, my children don't get to experience. So there are times when I have to send them away to a black church, if you will, um, so that they might see images of themselves outside of their mom. Um, our saviors has been absolutely conscious in how it pursues justice, how it pursues racial justice, how it uh, fights isms. I love that about this congregation and that it, in walking in the door, um, even if I felt the pressure to make that known, um, the congregation took on the mandate and the mantle um, that racism had to be a white church problem, a white church um, dilemma, a white church issue to fight, to combat. Um, and so our saviors in the last uh, two years has created power, um, a ministry that fights social injustice uh, from an advocacy standpoint. Our Saviors uh, Lutheran Church has definitely uh, 
put its resources uh, where its faith is. I think that's amazing um, because oftentimes people mean well, but when rubber meets the pavement, when rubber meets the road in terms of putting money where your mouth is or putting service where your where your time is, it's hard. Our Saviors does an amazing job of sharing. I think they are the only congregation I have ever known, ever known, uh, that are double tithers. Um, uh, and for listeners who might not know what I mean, just and not to assume that anybody is unaware, but uh, or um, but you know, as a church, we we typically and as individuals, we typically give ten percent of what God shares with us back out to be used and to be shared. Our Savior's is not only giving ten percent; it's doubling that. It's giving twenty percent of um, income and resources that come into the door is shared back out of the door. That's an amazing place to be spiritually, financially, emotionally. And for it to happen in a congregation, in a community of people who can sometimes be as different as night and day, that is absolutely outstanding. Um, And not because of the dollar amount, but because of the sheer sacredness and the sheer spirit of God that has to be involved in that for folks to find common ground in giving. Um, Because we don't always have the same bends about giving. We don't have the same intentions about giving. So for people who are Republican and Democrat and conservative and liberal, for people who are traditional and contemporary, for people who are old and young and, and who have been in church for years or who are just starting out, to find common ground in sharing with others is a miraculous feat. That's a great thing about being at this church. It doesn't get any better than that. Um, To see people do what the Bible says, to love mercy, to love kindness, to do justice, and at the same time, to walk humbly with God. Our Saviors is not at the top of every newspaper We're not the number one church in the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. We're not, I wouldn't, I don't think we're the number one church, even in the Metropolitan Chicago Senate. We do what we do. And there's no accolade necessary that makes us do it more or do it less. Uh, It's never been about the glory. And I saw that walking in the door. Uh, And so for this last, since 2015, July of 2015, I've been serving with this congregation and we're now uh, halfway through 21 or at the end of 21 but I'm halfway through another year. Um, It's been consistent. And it is the first thing we talk about. It's the first thing, how do we share? How do we give? And and it makes a diverse um, community of who it shares with. We share with hunger, uh, world hunger, Lutheran World Federation and Lutheran Disaster Relief. We share with uh, social ministries. We share Um, And we even partner with congregations uh, right here locally and globally that have less than we do. We have congregational partners that we support um, that are not inside of our national borders. We have congregational partners that we support that are in Chicago. Um, There's a strong partnership between the home church where I grew up with. And I didn't even know that was going on. You guys were in partnership with Bethel Lutheran Church on Chicago's West Side uh, before I even knew our Savior's Lutheran Church ever existed. Yeah, and how wonderful is that? We had a relationship with the church that made you who you are in some ways. And and before we even met. Yeah, 
Yeah. So um, that's, that's just a God thing. I think it's, it's an amazing God thing, you know? Um, so when I think about those things, those are great opportunities, mm-hmm. uh, for, um, for our saviors and myself. Now, what I wish more than anything was that somehow or another, we could be more diverse that we could be more inclusive that um that i saw myself reflected um more than i do but it's the times that we live in the lutheran church is a predominantly white institution our saviors kind of looks like its parent um in terms of the the institution itself the national denomination is predominantly white it's not unusual to see that a congregation in the northwest suburbs of chicago uh, is predominantly white um arlington heights the town that we are in um is predominantly white so of course some of the natural things that are happening is that the membership comes from where the people are and the people here you know there are not a lot of people of color but what makes that so? Because we also know that there are people of color in Arlington Heights and they're hidden in plain sight. Um, we also know, you know that folks are uh, comfortable where the spaces are. What makes the church, the town, the denomination um, comfortable for people of color or uncomfortable for people of color that it stays the same, that it always stays small in number? Um, what else, uh, what other things make me worry um, is whether or not we can change. What would you see that it takes to make a change? Maybe a change that happened, for example, in the Bethel church where you grew up um, that underwent quite a change even before you were there or any church for that matter that um, becomes more um, integrated perhaps. Um, what would that take? Hmm. I, I I think I'd say I don't know that there's a perfect solution or an easy answer. Um, one of the examples that I can give, um, I went to a conference once. Um, Barbara Brown Taylor, who is a renowned preacher, who is amazing, um, was giving a, a story and um, she was giving us an example of how she experienced various churches. Uh, And she was talking about the differences between uh, a black church and a white church. She said, you know, uh, the amazing thing is that uh, both are equally faithful, um, that in the black church, uh, in lots of black churches and black spaces, um, service starts at nine, but church doesn't begin until the presence of the Holy Spirit arrives. And there seems to be this moment where everybody in the room corporately can experience that arrival. And so while service may start at nine, there's praising and there's singing and there's uh, ritualistic things that happen, but church doesn't usually begin until the Holy Spirit shows up. And that could be at 9.15, it could be at 9.45, it could be at 10.02, that it's not going to have the same moment. And, and she said in, uh, in white spaces, and she was joking, um, uh, and, and I don't want to say this wrong, 
But she's like, in white spaces, church starts at nine o'clock and we hope the Holy Spirit shows up on time like everybody else. <laughs> and it was in jest. But what she was basically saying was that uh, when worship starts, the background of preparing for worship, picking out the songs beforehand um, to match the scripture, to match the reading, to match the reflection to, and the message and all of those things that plan out worship um, that craft themselves into a one hour worship, um, the Holy Spirit has been present. Um, that, that what we see is the Holy Spirit's work in different arenas and it was her learning to appreciate. And so my answer for you about whether or not we can change is whether or not we can learn to appreciate the way God is working us out differently and how we celebrate that. Mm -hmm. um, how we, and how we make it work. Where's the Holy Spirit? Where's God working in you? And what, what is God doing in me that will complement you and supplement you and vice versa. Um, it's almost like organizing a, a basketball team or a football team or to find the people who are good in the things that they do and then make sure you have all of the areas that make a winning team a winning team to make sure you have all of those areas covered. And if you have that, um, then you have the makings of a, a, a holistic team, if you will. Um, and so I wonder for us, not only as a, a black woman in a white church, a white church in the Northwest suburbs, the Northwest suburbs in the Midwest states, in the Western hemisphere of the, and in the United States of America, I wonder what would make us be able to change is our ability to, to appreciate and embrace what is not us. I think that's what happened for our saviors, what happened for me, my ability and my willingness to say, hey, I'll be serving in a, in a congregation that is predominantly white, to embrace it and to say, what is important to them? What matters to them? What, um, not just what matters to me among them, but what matters to them and how can I love it as they do? And for the same thing for our savers to say, you know, what is important to Pastor Rhonda? What is important to black communities? What is important um, to disenfranchised communities and people? Um, and how can we love it and them the way they love it without losing ourselves? Um, and whether or not we can. You know, um, as you're speaking, a phrase came to my mind, and I'm wondering if this weaves its way a little bit through some of the different stories, and that's just a simple phrase, stepping outside of our comfort zones. I wonder if your mom stepped out of her comfort zone when she brought you to Bethel in the first place. Um, you certainly stepped out of your comfort zone in Texas. <laughs> And you brought some people out of their comfort zone in Texas as well. Um, you were out of your comfort zone even in seminary. Um, and you've brought uh, our church in some ways and are right now exhorting our church in some ways and um, all people to be willing to step out, um, to embrace uh, that which is different, if I, if I heard you correctly. Embrace 
one another, really, essentially, but parts of the body that are, aren't, don't look like you, perhaps, as well. Yeah, um, and, and I would agree um, that comfort zones have a lot to do with it. Um, I think there's a time and a place where you can go too far outside of your comfort zone, and it's not healthy. However, I also think that there's a way to extend uh, to someone else without losing yourself. I did step out of my comfort zone, but I, the more I realize now that my comfort zone is in God, um, these other places and spaces are not so frightening mm-hmm. anymore. Leaving my own spaces and places uh, is not frightening when I know that my home, um, my security, my stability, my foundation, my comfort um, is in God and that somehow or another. And when I say that, I don't mean to be uh, so ethereal and and spiritual that it doesn't ring true. Uh, What I mean is that I trust that God is not surprised by where I'm going. God is no stranger to where I'm coming from. And so the things that make for a healthy and safe and beautiful me, God is going to prepare that space or God is going to give me the strength to prepare that space for myself. Um, so I think the comfort zone piece has a lot to do with it. It takes a lot to step out on faith and say, you know, I know that I won't have this job in a year, but I'm coming. At the time, I didn't know that's what I was doing. Sometimes it's just, yeah, I'm willing to help or yeah, sometimes it's self-serving. Hey, I can do anything for a year because this will allow me to pay bills. But in the midst of it, God took something and made beauty out of it. God said, okay, don't worry about that. I've been your resource. Your children are not starving. You are not starving. You have not lost one step. Somehow or another in a world where you should not be able to find, to, to, to survive on the, on the finances and the, and the meagerness that you have survived on, it has worked. You have not been left behind and you have not lacked any good thing. Yeah, I want better. Yeah, I want more like any other person. I'm I'm pretty human that way. However, the things that I needed, God made provision for. And I learned this uh, phrasing from one of my childhood youth, young adult pastors, um, where there is vision, there's provision. Where there's a vision to do something, there is support for that vision to do something, something that is pro that vision. So where there's a vision to create racial harmony, there's support for it. Where there's a vision to create justice and social equity, there's support for it. There are people put into that place. There are resources put into that place. There is the passion and the compassion put into that place and space so that people can do it. God supports us when we live out God's command to do justice, to love mercy, to walk humbly. God supports us and we, and it's, don't get me wrong. It never is easy. Well, sometimes it's easy, but rarely ever is it easy. It's an intentional work and it's an intentional risk taking, putting ourselves outside of our comfort zone. However, we never lose when we try it. We never lose. We are always better for it. Well, Pastor Rhonda, it has been really wonderful to hear about where God has brought you um, all these days. And I have the good pleasure of being able to walk forward with you um, and yeah. see where God's taking you and uh, taking our ministry um, and taking our community. And when I say community, our church community, but our 
community, our Arlington Heights, Mount Prospect, uh, Northwest Suburbs community as well, because uh, this church is impacting that community and, and, and the world. Uh, heck, we're impacting Suriname, hopefully, right now, if you're listening in Suriname. So, Hi, um, everybody and, in Suriname. <laughs> and wherever else you're listening around the globe. So uh, this has been uh, a tremendous time with Pastor Rhonda. I think this is a part two time uh, that we've had. And um, I am, I, I'm perhaps would love to have you back for another part three. Um, but is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners uh, before signing off tonight? Uh, I'd like to tell everybody uh, who is listening um, that it was no accident that you were put in the time and place that you uh, have been placed in. Um, one of my absolute favorite songs is a song by Stevie Wonder, um, and it's called uh, As. Um, I love that song. Um, and it's all rooted and based in love. It's all rooted and based in how we can go forward loving one another. And if you can't do anything else, um, love the people that are around you the best you can for as long as you can. Um, I think that's the way to, to move this world back to a place of unified humanity, uh, even when we have different opinions about things. So thank you guys for hearing me. Thank you guys from my heart to yours uh, for welcoming me into your spaces uh, through this uh, podcast. And uh, thank you, Mark, for inviting me uh, and the team. Uh, thank you, Just Stories, for hearing uh, my stories. Uh, they're just my stories, but now I share them with you. So thank you uh, for the gift of sharing. You are very welcome, and you're welcome here anytime. Have a have a great evening, and uh, thank you so much again for all your time. I can't wait till next time where we get to talk about shoes. Shoes. I mean, I mean <laughs> Jesus. Oh wait, what are the topics again? No, we're looking <laughs> yeah. forward to. I'm look forward to spending some time with you again. Amen to that. And that wraps up this episode of Just Stories. We hope you've enjoyed this time and you'll join us again. Just Stories is a partnership with Our Savior's Lutheran Church, an ELCA member church, where all are welcome and we join in God's reconciling work, which prioritizes disenfranchised, vulnerable, and displaced people in our communities and the world. Your hosts are people of Christian faith, and we recognize that God works through many vehicles, including those of differing faith or of no faith. Our guests may or may not be members of Our Savior's Lutheran Church. If you enjoyed what you heard, tell a friend, and please subscribe. Tune in next time for more of Just Stories. <laughs>